Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Vine, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The SportsStands. Welcome to the Sports Stance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always, he tried to move the podcast to Los Angeles. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? Uh, not much, man. I mean, hey, out there, everything's bigger, better, more flashy. I mean, it made sense. It made perfect sense to me. The weird part is that you you created a new Sports Stance logo that looked exactly like the Dodgers logo. I couldn't really understand what you were going for. Hey, uh, there were some slight differences. I got some, you know, stuff from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I like the squiggles they have. Mm, a lot of squiggles. A lot of squiggles. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the effort, but uh, I'm going to have to go with something a little bit more classy. Uh, you know, uh, I think that Sports Dance, the Sports Dance Los Angeles version is going to, you know, do something more classic, like a like a purple and gold style. Maybe borrow a couple things from Minnesota, kind of arbitrarily. It's it's going to be exciting. I think maybe you know even do the classic lettering of like the Boston Red Sox B on the hat. <laughs> you know, add add little touches of all our favorite things. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Um, cool, man. Obviously, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. The NFL playoffs is on tap. We're going to be talking about the, uh, you know, a little bit of the Chargers relocation there. We're going to be talking about D. Rose uh, and any other kind of, uh, you know, topics in the sports world. Before we get started, Greg, before we kind of break into any of that, how are you? What's going on with you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, last week, uh, last weekend, my wife had her birthday, so you know, I had to do something nice. So I took her out for a nice dinner. I bared the yeah. snow. I Happy went through the snow. Mary. Yeah, I went through the snow that we had here because it was like six to eight inches or whatever. But I was like, ah, I got a jeep. It's cool. Yeah. So, hey, no, don't call you a hero. Yeah. No, I'm I'm no hero. I'm just a good husband. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> so uh, took her out to a nice dinner. It was cool. The place we went to. <laughs> was in the middle of Boston and nobody else was there. It like everybody else canceled. So we basically had the restaurant to ourselves. So I was just like, yeah, I bought out the place for you. Cause you know, I'm a pretty awesome guy like that. Wow. Very, very, uh, very classy of you there. Yeah. Uh, did you get her anything good? What'd you get her? I got her, uh, some jewelry. Got her, uh, we, I bought her Scrabble. Um, she's a big Scrabble. She likes Scrabble a lot. Okay. So, uh, you know, just, you know, the the usual, you know, nice little things. I also got her a David Ortiz uh, Sports Illustrated magazine because she loves David Ortiz. And it's like a special, edi- it's a special edition that I saw. So, got that for her. And that might have been her cool. favorite gift, actually. Cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Scrabble fan, too. So, we're going to have to... Uh... We get to throw down at some point. Just throwing that out there. All right. I mean, I've slowly improved over the years because of playing against her. My family is so into Scrabble. Uh, you know, I guess maybe not so much in recent years because, uh, you know, the uh, everyone's kind of grown up a little bit and turned to drinking rather than board games. But 
my uh, my family has been you know so indoctrined in Scrabble uh, that you know we, we would have like massive family blowouts over words and just like be psychological warfare you know whether or not you want to challenge me or not on that word that I threw down so it's a uh, it's a whole lot of fun, Greg. Oh yeah. <laughs> story. Oh yeah. I mean, drunken Scrabble probably gets worse and dirtier. So you know, there's that aspect of it. That's true. Yeah. But there's uh, definitely some words that you got a question, you got to throw down and be like, "Wait, that does not make sense." Right. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. You know, congrats to Mary for making it one more year. Yeah, especially with me around. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, what about you? How, how have you been? Hey, good. Nothing much to report. The. Uh, Golden Globes were fun for me. I liked watching those. I did too. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm actually on the road today. Um, this is kind of like a remote podcast. Uh, we'll call this one, Greg, Road to the Playoffs. Ooh, I was going to say uh, getting Fast and Furious with James. Oh, Fast and Furious works too. I'm, I'm down for either. You know, either or. Uh, you know, pick and choose your favorites. Um, whatever makes it sound better than James is going to visit his parents. Yeah. So uh, either you know, if you can, if you can just steer away from that altogether, I think that we'd be in good shape. I think we can do Fast and Furious because you know they have so many like you know sequels. We can just keep doing episodes like this. It'd be like Fast okay. and Furious Three, James on his way to visit the in-laws and all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. I don't have in-laws yet, Greg. That's you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was just spitballing here. You know, put me on the spot. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Hey, you know. Um. Okay. Let's get into a little bit man we started uh the playoffs last weekend playoffs playoffs uh obligatory you know jim what's his face is uh i don't know coach that no longer coaches anymore yeah lions guy whatever (laughs) obligatory playoffs uh playoffs clip insert here yeah um this is really exciting man i love the playoffs and it totally did not live up to the hype <laughs> no it was very very lackluster last week even the only I game know. we thought had a chance was awful yeah i know the game that everyone thought was going to be like a great game was just kind of like a uh, you know a, a, another showcase of why no one should ever count out aaron Rodgers. but we'll kind of get into that um so let's just kind of talk about each game individually and, uh, you know, as we kind of go along. But you have a new segment you want to debut. Yeah. So, you know, we do regular season, most impressed, least impressed. We're going to change up the name a bit, but basically same concept. Playoff hero and playoff zero. So, you know, who's the guy that stepped up for his team in the postseason? Who's the guy that literally dropped the ball in some cases? Oh, a little, uh, little foreshadowing. Huh? Maybe, maybe. Um, why don't you start us off then, Greg? Because uh, you sound like you sound like you kind of got this uh, in the bag here. Who's the playoff hero in your mind? Man, playoff hero for me last week. Uh, you know, the easy pick would be Aaron Rodgers, obviously. But I'm not going to yeah. go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go with Antonio Brown mm. for the main fact of he put up over a hundred yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter of the game. Basically, sealed that game up very quickly. And his two touchdowns weren't like simple deep pass. Like he had to make a few moves, get around a few blocks, a few tackles. Uh, you know, he looked pretty solid. The Steelers as a whole offense looked pretty good. But Antonio Brown, I think, you know, is going to be the key for that offense moving forward. Big Ben, obviously, as long as he stays healthy and can just throw the ball standing still. But, you know, AB has to get open and definitely my playoff hero for last week. That's a good one, man. Um, the only umbrage that I take with that, because I do take some umbrage, is uh, good the Scrabble that, that, word. That, 
Yeah, I wanted. I kind of wanted to pause there a little bit and let you kind of soak in my SAT words that, yeah. I, that I threw at you. You always do that, and that makes me feel dumber. that I take with that is that uh, the long touchdowns that he had were not that impressive to me. That's way more, uh, in my mind, way more of an indictment of the Dolphins' defense uh, than the Steelers' offense. Like, what was that, man? Like, there was just like a little, like, I, I could have thrown that pass to Antonio Brown with that little out route. They just couldn't tackle the guy. Hey, still has uh, to get open, James. He still has to get open. I guess. I don't know. That Dolphins' defense was... Pathetic. Yeah, it was, uh, I it was mean, sad. like I realized that you guys were, you know, not favored or anything like that, and no one was really giving you much of a chance. But at least get it up to play the, you know, first playoff game in your, you know, franchise since like what 2008, I think it was. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. Nobody remembers the last one. Yeah, I mean, you had like Chad Pennington as your quarterback in the last one. So come on, like give give a little bit of a better effort here. Oh, Chad. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what I uh, that was my take on that one. But I, I understand though. So the, you you going with AB for your franchise for your playoff uh, playoff hero there? I like it. I am gonna go uh, with the. Uh, we're not gonna mention them very much longer, I don't think. So I'm gonna go with the Texans <laughs> D line. Uh, I thought that the front seven of the Texans, which, you know, I guess we can kind of single out Jadavion Clowney if you wanted to throw that out there, but uh, they looked really good. Uh, I think that, the you know, in order for them to get any sort of, you know, play in the, in this playoffs here, especially in the game that they have coming up, they really need to kind of lean on what's become a pretty excellent, you know, defense going forward. And I think it starts off with the front seven. I think it starts with Peter putting pressure on the quarterback, you know, Obviously, Connor Cook was not going to show up, uh, you know, in any sort of big way for his first first start ever uh, on the road at a playoff game. So they kind of had it easy this week, but they still kind of they still made his life, you know, pretty miserable. And I, I think that the one way to beat the Patriots, especially, is to continuously put pressure on Brady and kind of get him uncomfortable and make him make way, you know, like decisions that he's not looking to make you know get him off of his first read especially so yeah definitely uh, i'm gonna go texans d-line is my playoff hero it's um, a good one to start this off here it's a good analogy too because i was actually watching espn this morning and teddy Bruski said the exact same thing that oh. you know throat throat only way to get brady off his game is that defensive line getting their arms up getting pressure on him he's like basically make it a forest of trees of arms and brady has a hard time hundred percent, you know, because here's the thing with Brady. I mean, he's a quick decision maker naturally, and so that's going to help him out. Uh, the problem is, though, that, you know, especially if you're going to jam, like, for example, if you're going to jam Edelman at the line and you don't get that quick out route or if, like, the end kind of crashes down and and uh, and he can't totally hit that slant, like, immediately that he kind of lives off of, like, his bread's buttered on that thing. I just don't know, uh, you know, how effective the secondary receivers are for the Patriots right now, kind of extending a play and uh, and making it happen. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, that matchup unfold. The, uh, the the New England offensive line definitely has got a little bit more uh, work cracked up for them, especially after that last game than uh, than we were kind of expecting here. Yeah. All right, man. So playoff zero. Who do you want to talk about here? Um, you know, who do you think kind of dropped the ball, either you know physically, you know, or metaphorically? Well, you know, we we both have the obvious choice of who we could go with, just like we had with Aaron Rodgers, because he was phenomenal. Right. So I'm gonna go outside of the box again. You know, I'm not gonna go for the easy pick, James. I, I just can't. There's not what That's the people. That's not who you are, Greg. It's not who the people that listen to our show expect. All right, they expect higher from us. 
So I'm actually going to go with um, offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. Ah, there you go. Uh, you know, game plan didn't seem that good. I only caught parts of the game, but it, it was pretty ugly. You know, putting up six points total, you, you should do better than that against Seattle. You know, your offense is better than that. You have wide receivers who can make plays. You have a running back that, you know, has been on a hot streak as of late. Your offensive line had looked good. And you, you know, he just wasn't apparently calling the right plays. You know, call it execution. Blame Stafford's middle finger. I'm not going to put this on Stafford. Uh, you know, he gr- he grinded it out. He was gritty. He uh, hustled. He showed all that typical, you know, what we're going to say about him stuff. And, uh, you know, Jim Bob needed to figure out a way to make that offense work against the Legion of Boom to make them not look like they actually are, you know, a mean defense to face. Because, in all honesty, they're not. They're not that as formable as they have been, especially without Earl Thomas. So, Jim Bob Cooter, you're a playoff zero. It's funny that you say that because I am actually going to go in that similar vein, um, but I'm not going to place the onus totally on, on Jim Bob there. Um, I'm saying playoff zero, uh, the Lions wide receivers. Ooh, okay. So we have the same thought. Same basic train of thought here, but uh, I mean, I was watching that game as well. And by the way, uh, I would I was going to float that one out there for, I mean, if it was not the most boring game of the weekend, it was close to it. Oh, yeah. Um. So I, you know, at least in the, you know, at least in the Steelers and, uh, you know, the Steelers game, uh, you know, they, they had some big plays and, you know, at least in the same thing with the Green Bay game, uh, Green Bay, New York game, um, you know, I, I guess it'd probably either be Texans, Raiders or, you know, Lions, Seahawks for the most boring game imaginable. But I, I'm placing it on the Lions wide receivers because to win the playoffs, uh, one of the main, like, things that I think that is most important for a team is to continuously convert on third down. You know, if a team can keep a drive alive and continuously convert on third down and kind of make it happen, they have a much, much better shot, you know, than, than a a team who can't do it, you know, like those third and fours and, you know, those little ones that kind of are a difference between a championship team and, and, you know, uh, a kind of a pretender. Yeah, and there were multiple the times Lions in that were. game, especially on the first couple of drives in that first quarter, where Stafford put it between the numbers for these guys, uh, and they dropped the ball. Uh, you know, very, very non-metaphorically. Like, we're talking physically <laughs> dropped the ball. Golden Tate uh, looked awful. Um, yeah, he did not look Secondary receivers couldn't make anything happen. You know, I, I think that it's not totally on Stafford, and I don't even think it's totally on Jim Bob Cooter there. I think it, especially in that first, the first half, uh, when you have multiple drives stall out because wide receivers are dropping, you're going straight because wide receivers are dropping, you know, an easy third down conversion, you have to really wonder, like, what do we need to do here to give Stafford the help in order to make things happen? Uh, I think this is, like, the only time this season that he's clearly missed Megatron. You know, uh, I think Megatron has been a crutch for him, especially in the beginning part of his career. Where oh, he's definitely. Gonna fuck it up. You know, it's double coverage, and this this kind of offense has made him be a lot more precise. But when you're that precise and the receivers are dropping the ball, uh, I think that's on them completely. So I'm putting it on the Detroit Lions wide receivers as my playoff zero this week. You know what? That makes perfect sense. You know, they wide receivers didn't have a good weekend for the losing teams. I agree. Plain and simple. I mean, blame the boat trip if you want for the Giants, but I don't think it was that also. I'm not going to blame the boat trip. I'm just going to blame them on poor performance. 
I think it was the yeah. whole uh, not wearing shirts and wearing shorts to warm up in Lambo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we touched on all the games. That means, uh, you know, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you, Greg? Uh, anything that you kind of want to uh, highlight in these kinds of uh, in these games here? Uh, the only thing is, I just wanted to know what Mike Tomlin was thinking leaving Ben Roethlisberger in that late in the game, that many points up. I mean, he hurt his foot. It doesn't seem it's going to be that serious, but if it's something that's going to nag him and teams know about, they might try to go after it a little bit. Let's kind of take a look at the four winners and see, like, you know, what your biggest takeaways from the games were, you know what I mean? Like, for the Texans, for example, that first game, a lot of people were talking about how Brock had a pretty good game and now he's sort of back, et cetera, et cetera. What did you think? Do you think that that guy, do you think he's, like, even close to being back? I was not that impressed with him. No, I wasn't that impressed. I think, if anything, it's a confidence builder going into New England, more so for the defense. You know, easy first-round game for the most part defensively for them. Brock, if anything, it maybe get makes him feel he can maybe throw the ball and be a little more free with it, airing it out, and maybe not be as bad. But they're gonna they need to run the ball, get over 100 yards with a Lamar Miller, and control the clock and control the defensive line, and that's the only way they have a chance against New England. Yeah, I mean, all these things were saying that like the Brock is back and all this kind of stuff when. He threw for under 200 yards against the Raiders' defense that's not very good, you know, in the secondary. Yeah. Um, I just didn't – I was not that impressed with his play, uh, and I didn't think that he kind of deserved the praise that sort of got heaped on him after the game. Um, so I, I'm not – I'm off the brocket ship here. I kind of think that this is going to be a slaughter coming up. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, not too much. I mean – Rodgers is looking like Aaron Rodgers should look and always look and yeah that makes it that makes the matchups this weekend a little more interesting to me so let's break them down man what's the first game on the slate this week all right first game on the slate this week uh since my computer is being used on the phone I'm going off of memory here because I'm that good uh I believe it's Seattle versus Atlanta is the first game right. up tomorrow at 4 15 4 30 so you know Seattle's awesome. visit visiting Atlanta Coming off the win against Detroit, Atlanta had the bye week, got healthy. Uh, James, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Let's see if you stick with your uh, original decision. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Atlanta here. Um, I, I just, I'm not impressed with the Seahawks team. Um, by the way, my biggest, uh, my biggest complaint in that Seahawks game was that I spent a very early draft pick on Thomas Rawls <laughs> and was a total waste of space in my roster for a while, and I finally released him. And then, like, that game, like, he looked like fucking, I don't even know. He looked like he looked like a cross between Barry Sanders and Jesus. Like, every <laughs> single rip, uh, every single run, he ripped off 10 yards. So I don't know what that says about the, dry, uh, the, the Lions' defensive front but it can't be it can't be positive no um, i don't want to hear all this healthy stuff too like he was finally healthy and he went all beast mode and just clobbered that off defensive <laughs> for just yards upon yards yeah for real um yeah so i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go falcons here man i just think that Devonte freeman is gonna have a good game I think Julio Jones is probably the best player in the you know the best wide receiver in the entire league right now, kind of being overshadowed by Antonio Brown. I think that kind of people are sort of forgetting that Julio Jones is a total stud, yeah, uh, or at least not talking about it as much. Uh, and I think that Matty Ice is set to, you know, win a playoff game here at home and kind of make it happen. I'm going to go Atlanta. 
All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, you know, Atlanta should win this game. Their offense is just pretty dominant. Julio Jones finally is healthy again. The final few weeks, he kind of struggled. They have that two-headed backfield with Coleman and Freeman catching and running. Matty Ice, MVP-type season. I wouldn't expect anything less if he if he doesn't get MVP. I won't be shocked, depending on if it's Rodgers or Brady, but he should at least be a top vote getter for that. And Seattle's defense without Earl Thomas, I'm going to keep saying it, they're just not the same. He's not patrolling that outfield for them. Julio Jones is going to run loose. The only way they're going to stop him is if they pull what they did in Seattle this year earlier and just pull him down every play like Richard Sherman did, trying to do like a WWE-like Stone Cold Steve Austin type move. So Yeah, I mean, Seattle barely beat them on at home that first matchup, and I, I think that it's going to be a totally different story when you're actually in a dome, at home, in Atlanta, you know, and they have you know, the the Seattle defense is, like you said, missing one of its key players. I think all that stuff matters. Yeah, the Shermanator won't have a good game. I think Julio Jones is going to torch him if he follows him along the field at all, which he probably won't because he likes playing his one side like a little bitch. So, if you're going to be a top DB, maybe defend the top wide receiver no matter where he goes. So, I'm going to go Atlanta also. I agree. Um, okay, cool. Second game of the day, and I know this one for a fact. Yeah, you do. Texans, Texans going into Foxborough. What do you think? Do you think the rocket ship is uh, is back here? Do you think they have any chance against the, uh, the Patriots? As much as I want to say they would have a chance going in, I got to go with the Brady Bunch. You know, they're just looking... They're got that rest week. Texans defense, yeah, it's number one, but even they won't be able to, they won't be able to put up enough points in general against that defense. I don't think Brock is not gonna you know take off and have a smooth landing. He's gonna you know struggle. Hopkins is gonna be double teamed all game because he's their best offensive weapon, and Belichick always knows how to get taken out. All those guys, whoever the team's top weapon is, he knows how to try to undermine them and basically take them out of the game. So. Brady's going to do it. He's going to have a decent game, at least 250 yards, probably two touchdowns, and they're going to probably run the clock out in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, you really cannot paint a picture for me that that shows the Texans winning. I don't know. Like, There's no scenario that I can totally think of that the Texans will win this game. Brady gets hurt. Lamar, That's it. If, if, if Brady gets hurt even, you know, I'm – more than comfortable with Garoppolo at least beating the Texans, you know. Super Bowl chances be damned. I think that uh, I think at the very least we'll beat the Texans. Um, I mean, I guess if Lamar Miller just kind of has an historic game, that's kind of it. That's kind of like my that's the extent of my my imagination for how the the Texans would beat the Patriots. So I'm going to go yeah. Patriots here. Yeah, they they would the Texans would need a performance like the Ravens did a few years ago, where it's just Ray Rice went off on them. That's the only chance they have. I agree. Um, okay, Sunday games. Who's up first, Greg? All right. Remember? So, uh, first, we got Pittsburgh visiting Kansas City in Arrowhead Stadium. You got the big 3B, Rock, Big Ben, uh, Bell, and Brown going against that stout Chiefs defense. And Alex Smith having a you know pretty good run. You know They faced earlier off this year, week four, where Pittsburgh crushed them. I believe it was 43-14. Embarrassing on Monday night. Yeah. yeah, it was uh it was not pretty. The only thing is I keep loving those commercials they keep playing where it shows how Pittsburgh blew them out, and it's like, but did you notice? Chiefs kept their starters in because you play it till the end of the game. And I'm like, really? No. 
That was just uh, Andy Reid probably trying to make a point and be like, you guys suck, you play the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I don't think that that game was very indicative of what this one's going to be like. No, definitely not. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this game because, you know, for the first part, like we said, you know, the Steelers kind of looked like they were pretty good. They won a couple, had a couple of those big plays. But I think I am going to go Chiefs here because um, – You're you a know, Chiefs typically, believer. I'm a Chiefs believer. Everyone knows that. Um, but so there's a couple of things here that I, that I'm kind of basing my opinion off of. After those big games this season, you know, the Steelers have been pretty lackluster the following week. Uh, I don't have any stats in front of me. I can just talk about anecdotal experience here where, you know, after they kind of put up some big numbers, I feel like immediately the week following, they just don't look that good. Um and then finally, uh, Andy Reid. Again, I don't have numbers. I, I heard him, uh, you know, on you know some sort of sports talking head show. Uh, Andy Reid after a bye week is is really good. I mean, he's yeah. something like sixteen and two after a bye week, or fourteen and two, or something like that. Uh, he is very very effective coming off of a bye week. Yes, especially he is. Especially when he's got some time to plan for people. So I'm going to go with, uh, Kansas City here. Uh, I know I think that Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, I mean, even their running backs and stuff like that, like Sharkandrick West is, is always kind of put up some decent numbers for them. Uh, I just think that they have a pretty good balanced team with a great defense. And I think kind of, uh, you know, that, that game against Miami was not a lot, it was not very, you know, didn't show me, it showed me that Antonio Brown is good. You know, I think we already knew that, but like what happens when the team game plans for him or is actually effective in stopping him? Like, what do they do? Um, I think it's kind of all sizzle, no steak for, for Pittsburgh there. So I'm going Kansas City. All right. Well, you know, I appreciate you throwing the Andy Reid stat out there because, you know, as a formal, former Eagles head coach and as a fan of them, I basically knew after every bye week we had a win coming up because the yeah. man is amazing. But, you know, I'm going to go against him. I'm going to add on to that record and put another loss on there because I'm going Pittsburgh. I think, you know, they had a nice warm-up against Miami. If the three Bs can, you know, keep producing, even if they game plan for AB, that offensive line looked good and Le'Veon Bell was patient, waited for those holes to open up, and just got chunks of yardage every time he touched the ball. Uh, if that defense is, keeps playing, Shazir, you know, has been looking pretty good. He had a nice athletic interception in that game. And their defense and overall has been stepping up. It's been looking much better week after week since about midseason. So I think they can do it. I think they have what it takes to move on to the AFC Championship game with a head up against New England. And we'll discuss that next week if that happens and our thoughts on that. But we'll move to the next game. We'll get into the big game probably of the weekend, I would assume. Again, for everybody. Involves Green Bay. Uh, You have Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, A-A-Ron, moving into the Dallas Cowboys home stadium, Jerry World, to take on Dak and Zeke in the rookie playoff premieres so james who do you have packers or dallas uh, yeah i mean it, it, it's tough right because uh you know the, the packers looked really good they looked really good um you know aaron Rodgers very has really kind of just developed uh the hail mary that I mean, you kind of expect them to to work out in the packers favor now like yeah, i've never just, seen just a quarterback that I've never seen a quarterback where you expect the Hail Mary to work out. And they always they work <laughs> out in such weird... I mean, Hail Marys, yeah, it's a weird play in general. But they seem to happen in weird ways. Like, 
Randall Cobb just literally standing on like the back line and the ball going over like the six guys in front of him perfectly into his arms. Yeah. Like it's just weird. Yeah, so you have that on one end and then you have the Cowboys magic on the other. Um, I just I, I I think now I, I really can't go back on my Cowboys uh, in my Cowboys picks here. Uh, especially now that Jordy Nelson's out, you know, for the uh, for the Packers, that's big. Um, and I, I've just been fa- I've I've been a Dak believer since the very beginning, and I'm going to kind of go down with the ship if that's the case. Uh, I think that the Cowboys are rested; they're good. Um, they're going to kind of they're going to do the same thing that that you know, like the Giants did for the to beat the Patriots in like some of these Super Bowls is just kind of grinded grind it out, grind out a win, kind of continuously hand the ball off, eat clock, keep keep Rodgers off the field. Yeah, and I, I mean, think that's that you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott have a fantastic game. I think that he's going to be, you know, uh, probably the MVP of this game. I think we're going to get over 100 yards, multiple touchdowns. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the case here. All right. Well, it seems to be that, you know, a lot of these games, for teams to win, it's going to be run out the clock, keep the much better quarterback off the field. But I don't think Dallas can do it in this game. I'm going to go with Packers. I'm sticking with it. I think they make it to the NFC Championship. Rodgers has just been phenomenal. It doesn't matter who's on the field with him. Somebody's having a big game. Last week it was Randall Cobb. This week it could be him, Devontae Adams, Cook at the tight end position. It's just somebody different every week working with Rodgers. He can scramble. He makes plays. Gets himself time to find somebody open. And I think Dallas just... I think it's the end of their magic run. Rookies can only go so far before they have a bad game. Zeke hasn't had really a bad one. Prescott's only had one or two. And as a quarterback, ooh, excuse me. And as a quarterback, uh, you know, you're going to struggle at least some point. The pressure of the playoffs, especially in Dallas, are going to be on you. There's going to be the murmurs of, like, if they struggle, will they pull him and put Roma in to try to salvage the game and maybe win it? So, you know, I think all of that combined gives the Packers the mental edge. I hear you, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting, a much much more interesting couple of games than uh, you know than the last uh, the last round here. So that's really exciting. Yeah. So you know, we'll see how it goes. So far this year in the playoffs, we're both three and one. So you know, not bad. Uh, our guest pickers from last week, you know, are one and one. This week they have Paul has New England. And Pittsburgh, I believe, moving on, if I'm correct. And uh, Joe had it being Atlanta versus Dallas in the NFC Championship game. So, you know, he's kind of going in the same direction you are. Uh, Paul's kind of going in the same direction I am on the AFC side. So it'll be interesting to see who's right, who's wrong. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, cool, man. We went through an entire picks. Uh, pick section and recap section without actually mentioning Odell Beckham Jr. once. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Pat on the back. for being the only podcast and sports show in the entire world that can that can manage that. So Yeah, he knows what he did. He knows. He knows what he did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, just, you know, all I'll say is, you know, stop acting like a two-year-old. Two-year-olds punch walls. Eh, I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at Odell Beckham. Uh, I'm kind of, the, the Giants defense was garbage and that was supposed to be the thing that was going to carry them all the way into this playoffs anyway so that's true uh, I feel I'm mad at myself for, for being scared of them at any point in this kind of season yeah I was going to say all these uh, Dallas and New England fans are kind of like breathed a sigh of relief and then they were like wait why were we afraid 
Yeah, exactly. We're just a better team. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Moving on. Should we uh, cover the Chargers real quick before Let's moving on? To, all right. So. Yes. Go ahead. It was just yesterday morning. We all woke up to the news that you know San Diego decided to move to LA, and not only that, but their new logo, as they said, and came out later saying it was not this. But if you didn't see the logo, you probably were living under a rock, because James, I don't know what they were thinking. I want to know how much they paid to get that logo designed for them because I could have done that and I would have charged them like a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, really, really hope that they, they kind of move away from this thing that they're, that they're doing here and, and keep with what they've, what they've had. I mean, I, I understand, you know, it's exciting uh, when a team moves and you want to kind of rebrand. I totally get that. Um, you know, I get the, the concept of being in Los Angeles and kind of wanting, um, you know, people, they have a very good fan base for the Dodgers and they don't have a very good fan base for the Rams right now. So I can kind of see um, the idea of trying to kind of, you know, keep that simpatico, you know, yeah. so to speak, try to, trying to make sure that, you know, people kind of come on by and, and have some allegiances. But the Chargers uniforms are just classic. Yeah, I like I mean, them. I lo- I love the Chargers uniforms. I love the Chargers. I love the lightning bolt. I love the powder blues when they wear them. You gotta keep the gold. Like the, I like the dark blues with the with the white helmet with the bolt. I think all that stuff is awesome. And I'm, uh, you know, I'd be really bummed to see that stuff go away. You know, as much as I do like a re, a good rebranding and a good kind of uniform swap and a name change, I think that's exciting and it kind of mixes things up. But the Chargers specifically, I, I'm kind of you know, I, I really like them to kind of stay the Chargers. Yeah, you know, I mean, whether it's, it, it, I, I hope that they can kind of factor that in because if you're just going to kind of go some Dodger blue and, and keep that boringness, I think that's kind of a disservice to all the people that really, you know, really love this team and really kind of like that, uh, like the idea of league history, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking putting that out. I love how later that night they were like, no, that's not going to be the thing. It was just for promotional purposes that we just threw that out there if that's true you should have just gone with your regular bolt design and put los angeles underneath keep it the same people recognize it that would just look like somebody had a seizure while writing the la dodger symbol i also think that part of that is because legally they need to cover their asses a little bit because they didn't get that approved uh by the nfl board or whatever you need to get it approved by you need to get ah. it approved by the nfl before you stick out a logo and say it's the official logo so i think it's also sort of just to cover their asses yeah um but you know again this is just going to be it's just another example of how this about how these teams moving to los angeles is just messy unorganized and just a, a shameless cash grab yeah i mean it's so bad uh did you did you hear where their stadium's going to be what they're going to be playing in for the next two years yeah, it's the MLS Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's the LA Galaxy Stadium, StubHub Stadium. So, uh, hey, StubHub, if you want a sponsor, we're right there. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so it holds 27,000 people, just like a little over. So, one, if anything, you could take it one of two ways. They're really dumb because they've just cut their money in half attendance-wise what they would get. Two, you move to LA, it could be the most genius marketing move ever for the next two years because now you've made it the hardest ticket to get for sports football. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that, uh, I think that this move was kind of, as much as everyone's kind of thought through it, it, it just wasn't, it didn't seem to be thought through all that well, you know? No. Uh, 
So it'll be interesting. I actually don't hate that the, that the stadium is small. I kind of like that <laughs> a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's really cool when you have, like, the uh, the massive, you know, 100,000-person stadium. I think that that's, like, a spectacle in and of itself. But, you know, something a little bit more intimate, something a little bit more kind of, I don't know, rootsy. I mean, that's probably not what LA is, LA is known for. But no. I think that's kind of cool playing in a smaller stadium. It'll be um, it'll be fun to watch on TV if anything because I feel like the crowd noise and experience will be really cool through the TV. Yeah, I agree. Do you think they're going to change the name, or do you think they're going to keep LA Chargers and just kind of change what it looks like? Uh, you know, like the the you know uniforms and the and the design. I think you you got to keep the name at least Chargers. It'll be the LA Chargers, whatever they design it as. But I think they should try to keep it somewhat similar, just because. I mean, why not? People recognize that. If anything, you're just changing the city. I know fans weren't too happy. Did you see the video of the one guy throwing eggs at the headquarters? Yeah. thought that was yeah, great. I don't, blame, I don't blame him. I just love how there was like a news crew there, and he just had a carton, and he just had one carton only, and he just was chucking it from like 40 yards away. That's classic. Classic egging. Yeah. You bring egging back. Well, that guy looked uh, pretty up there, so that was probably his major prank when he was a kid. Yeah, I know. I bet that uh, you know. I bet that there's a so he's gonna come back with a couple rolls of toilet paper and, and kind of get to work. Oh yeah, some silly string. Who knows? Yeah. Might get a little crazy. Yeah, getting it out of the tree is gonna take a couple weeks. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, L.A. Chargers. That's what we got. Yeah. The two best teams in L.A. are the Rams and Chargers. So sad. Yeah. Sorry, two fans. Years ago, Greg, there was no teams. Now there's two. That's pretty yeah. amazing. It's pretty amazing and. If you told the people in L.A. what two teams they would be, they'd probably gone, eh, we're good. Yeah, take or leave them. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. That's that's the NFL, man. Um, let's kind of pivot a little bit because this is a big story, and, and I think that if you if you listen to sort of talk radio and whatnot, you probably are, are, are tired of hearing about it, but we haven't had a chance to kind of discuss it. Uh, let's talk about Derrick Rose. D. Rose. Where in, where in the States is Derrick Rose at? So Derek Rose, and I believe this was what Monday. Uh, yeah, it was the Monday or Tuesday. I want to say it was. I think it was the night of the yeah. national championship. He showed up to, and yeah, so it was Monday. He showed up to. Uh, oh, we still got to talk about the national championship. Ha! <laughs> uh, we'll do that. After. We'll do that after. But, but he showed up to uh, shoot around. Yeah, and you know was was present for Nick's shoot around. And then when the time when the time came to play the game, uh, he no showed. Yeah, and nobody could get in contact with him, so you know that was also good. He played hooky. He no he, he no showed no calls. Um, and this is really a weird situation. You know, I just don't remember anything kind of like this happening in the NBA or sports in general. You know, it's very rare that someone just doesn't show up and no one knows where he is, especially like, I mean, now. Say what you will about NBA players. Now, I, I, NBA players get accused. Uh, of a lot of things, you know, especially a little bit more than, you know, NFL or MLB or uh, NHL players. And NBA players all the time get, get accused of being lazy, you know, of, uh, of not caring as much, of, uh, you know, and it usually just has to do with them not getting back on defense for the most part. Yeah. But for all the things that people say about NBA players, I mean, there is never a game where someone just flat out doesn't show up. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? I don't think that's ever happened before where they didn't know where, why, and had no way of getting in contact with them. 
Especially, yeah, exactly. Especially in our and, world today, with Twitter photos, people just being everywhere, text, call. You had multiple ways to get in contact with people, and he chose yeah. none of them. The weirdest part to me, I feel like, is the fact that the way that the Knicks handled this was so poorly. Yeah. It was like it was like the Knicks PR team sent out this weird tweet that Derrick Rose is not with the team with no context around it. There was no statement from the GM, you know, no statement from Phil Jackson. Uh, you know, no statement from really anybody until after the game and the guy just threw Jeff Hornacek uh, out there to kind of field questions from a New York media who, you know, is not exactly known for being super understanding and, and uh, you know, taking it easy on anybody. Yeah, they're not kind, warm, and fuzzy like others. They just basically had him kind of out on an island trying to figure this out and, and answer questions. Uh, and then Joe Kim Noah saying, no, wait, I talked to him, he's okay. All of this was really weird, man. What was your what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it was very odd when it all came out. I was reading things, trying to get, like, hints. Some people were like, he stormed off because of... Uh, you know, Hornacek and a fight they had because he didn't play him in the fourth quarter in a game earlier. And then there was other people being like, no, he went home. Somebody's dying. Like, I didn't hear about that one until later on. I'd already put out a thing about Derrick Rose being a diva. And some New York Knicks fan, like, attacked me being like, why are you putting out fake information? I'm like, I'm going off of what I've seen. So don't come at me with all this, right. like, somebody's dying. And then it comes out that, no, he just went home to see, like, his mom and mole retirement. And then he came back, and now he's talking about getting a max deal and max money. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Derrick Rose, it, it's such an interesting... Uh, his career has had such a sad trajectory, in my opinion. I mean, you went from a guy who was the youngest MVP ever in the league, and I legitimately must watch, you know, night to night, he was a guy that you tuned in for. It was worth the price of admission. And then obviously the injuries, which were somewhat outside of his control, but then... You know, the really horrible, horrible allegations that, you know, were up against him. Um, and his just, you know, ridiculously tone-deaf comments throughout his entire career have been, you know, really you know, shocking to most people, you know? I mean, no one else, you know, especially with the kind of uh, production that they've had, no one else is talking about their max deal right now, you know? No, no one, uh, and he's done this consistently where he's yeah. constantly just, you know, kind of obsessed over his contract. Yeah, he's, he's one like, of those dude, few, like, me, me, me guys that are just like, we get players are selfish, but most of them don't come out verbally and are just like, yo, when am I going to get my next big money deal? Uh, I'm the best player in the world and you should pay me. It's also just, like, crazy because, I mean, he, he's consistently got a ton of money. Like, he's consistently got deals, like, above market value for him. I mean, I guess when you were an MVP candidate, you know, that five-year deal that the Bulls gave him w w was worth it. But, I mean, man, right now, dude, like, what are you doing? You're not putting up anything. You know, no. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay this guy. I'd give this guy the mid-level exception at this point. Yeah, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay him that much more than that, if anything. He has to show me something. And, two, do I really want a guy that, when healthy, still didn't come back because he was just a little too afraid like, I don't want somebody that's going to be afraid of every little, you know, sprained ankle thing like that and can't play through it. I want the guy that's going to go out there every night and try to, you know, win the game for me and not maybe hesitate on a shot because he felt a quick twinge or pain go through him. Well, also, when you think about it, uh, the way that D. Rose is playing right now just does not jive with how the NBA is going. I mean, you know, if he was still kind of like the penetrate into the paint, slash and kick kind of dude who can get to the rim and 
you know, uh, super athletic finisher and can you know make free throws and all that kind of stuff. If that's what he was still doing, great. You know, that's a that's a that's a real player, and we can work around this guy. And he, you know, he can have the ball in his hands and kind of distribute. But the way the NBA is going right now, you know, he's he's a perimeter player who can't shoot threes. No, not uh, by not he, by he, any means. He's lost athleticism like you wouldn't believe. He's not finishing at the rim the way he was. Um, he he's not. He's not playing. He's not really making up for it with any sort of defensive play. I don't really think that he's. You know, where does he fit in with the modern NBA? He just doesn't, no. in my opinion. And James, let me ask you this: as the big NBA guy, if you were a GM right now and you had to trade <laughs> for one of these two guys, who would it be? Would you trade for D Rose or Rajon Rondo? Oh, D Rose. Um, I think wow. that Rajon Rondo can't play anymore. Just to be totally okay. honest with you. So I, I, you know, Derek, I, I don't want—I don't want to say that, but like, if you ask me right now whether I would trade for D Rose or Dwayne Wade, <laughs> you know, like similar, similar playing styles, similar loss of athleticism, similar—I don't totally know where they fit in. I choose Dwayne Wade ten times over ten out of ten. You know, oh, yeah. this guy keeps his mouth. This guy keeps his mouth shut. He's a professional at this point, you know. Yeah, no, I was doing the Rondo one because you know there's a lot of issues with him and his chemistry also right now with his team. And he is a slashing cut, dish it out guy compared yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I guess I should kind of like roll back my criticism of him a little bit. It's not, it's not like Rondo right now is is. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You couldn't pay me to put Rondo on my team right now. I just <laughs> think that he's not the way that he plays and in the, in the, in the selfishness and the and kind of like the fact that. You know, a guy who can't, who physically can't score points, need to ha- needs to have the ball in his hands as much as he does. I, I just think that that's uh, that's just a waste of space on a roster. Yeah. Um, but it, but you know, Derrick Rose is you know not not too far beyond. You know, Derrick Rose could still get you like fifteen points. You know, with whatever kind of assist numbers and whatnot. I mean, he's still like you know he's still a, an NBA caliber player, just not not nearly what he thinks he is right now. No, not by any means. So he got he has to temper expectations going into this offseason, I think, cuz he's going to be in for a rude awakening. And I wouldn't be completely shocked if he ends up retiring just because. Yeah. Um, all right, let's finish up by talking about the national championship game, Greg, uh, and just kind of touch on that cuz we haven't had a chance to actually talk about it. Um, my Bama boys upset. <laughs> I was so happy. I know. I didn't. Uh, you know. I. I've, I was so sure of Bama the entire season, and uh, and and nothing here. So you and like ninety percent um, of the country were. So you know, you're not alone. You have plenty yeah, of shoulders I mean, to I cry guess, on. Yeah, I guess my populism picks are coming back to haunt me here. But um, what were your takeaways from the national championship game? I thought it was a great game. Oh, it was a fantastic game. I stayed up to watch all of it just because you know why not? I you could tell after that fourteen nothing lead by Bama, there was that whole. All right, game might be over, and then Watson. Really good at that point. To yeah, be honest with you. a lot of people did. Bo uh, Scarborough looked very impressive. He looked like Bo Jackson out there, just bowling people over, going for big runs. He was becoming the new Bo Nose, and you know people were getting excited about that. Shirts were being printed at that point, but you know Deshaun Watson came back. You know had some big plays made with Kane at that one screen that got them like forty yards. That kind of started their offensive going again, got their confidence back up. To put some drives together, the fact that they were able to uh, hold Alabama to, I think it was 17 by halftime, and keep them within range, uh, you know, was big. The I did not expect them to put up, uh, I think it was 21 in like the fourth quarter or whatever yeah. they did. Nobody, I think, could have, if you told somebody that that was going to happen against the Alabama defense, 
they would have been like, you're crazy, something happened. Like, did the team get, like, you know, murdered on the field? And you'd probably be like, yeah, possibly. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that came out of the game was Bo Scarborough broke his leg in the third quarter. Alabama couldn't run it after that. They had no offense after that at all. So Clemson kept getting their chances, kept getting opportunities. You knew Deshaun Watson is good enough and has the skilled players around him. Uh, Mike Williams, uh, can I get him on my team today? Because that guy made some amazing catches. He was good. He was good. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it was clearly, it was obviously the uh, the worst performance by the Bama defense all season. Um, I was reading an article that I thought was very interesting that kind of talked about this. Uh, the 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 Bama defense suffered because of the Bama offense. Um, you know, the the, the defense, uh, an opposing offense had not played, uh, you know, like Clemson played over 90 offensive plays against Alabama. Yeah, and that was the key, they said. Keep them on the field. Yeah, exactly. The, the, uh, the next, like, no one had played more than like 80 against Alabama all season just because the defense was able to kind of keep them, uh, the offense was able to kind of grind it out. Um, Jalen Hurts obviously didn't have a great game, but when you're constantly doing three and outs and whatnot, uh, it, it really just kind of like your defense is working on so many, uh, you know, working so hard. And even the plays that they scored, you know, the drives were quick and, and they didn't take much time off the clock and they had, you know, a big play or whatever. Uh, and, and that kind of put the defense right back out there. So the, the longer you stick the defense on, the more that you're on your heels kind of covering these receivers. You know, the sooner, you know, a guy of the caliber of Watson is going to make you pay for it. And I think that we saw that kind of in spades here. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, Hertz is a good player, and I think that he's going to kind of, you know, turn into a much uh, a much better, you know, player as he kind of moves forward. He is really a true freshman. You know, he's 18 years old. He's, he's you know, a big moment for him. Yeah, but, great uh, year I, overall I, for him, but. I think they just needed a little bit more out of that offense in order just to kind of give the give the defense a blow, sort of thing. You know, I mean, when you when you're kind of when you're when you're pedaling backwards every single play, it's just tough. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that bow leg injury really kind of hurt that team offensively. They couldn't grind it out after that, and uh, yeah. I mean, the secondary was the weak point for the Alabama defense, and that was shown all night. They couldn't barely run the ball a few yards at a time, if that. Uh, but that secondary is weak. You know, Leggett, their tight end, Williams, Kane, as the game wore on, they kind of started getting more free range. And you saw even that final drive, there were some impressive catches made that if, you know, a few drives earlier may have not happened because the guys would have had a little more energy, a little more spunk going in on defense. But at that point, I think they were just gassed. Yeah, I agree. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, all the credit in the world to Clemson. I mean, that that Watson, he's got ice water in his veins, man. I oh, mean, yeah. He's going to be uh, – I think that this is going to kind of shoot him up the leaderboards in the, in the draft here. You know, deserved or not, I think that he's going to, um, you know, be kind of talked about as the number one overall pick. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Browns already have their franchise quarterback coming to them through that. So, you know, congrats to Sean. You just went from the best to the worst. Yeah, I agree. Um Last point I want to just quickly uh, touch on. Do you think that uh, do you think that it made a difference? You know, taking uh, taking Lane Kiffin off the sidelines there and replacing him with Sarkeesian. Yes and no. Uh, I think for the most part, Sarkeesian kind of ran the same type of game that Kiffin would have run. Um, the one thing that did shock me was the trick play on Alabama's last scoring drive. 
Uh, it was not something I was expecting, nor I think anybody else was, especially coming from a Saban sideline to uh, throw out a trick wide receiver pass on the potential game-winning drive in a national championship. Yeah, that was kind of that's uh, true. That was kind of shocking. But even that drive, think about it. They scored. They took the lead to go up 31-28. Uh, but that drive was done in like a minute and a half. So your defense still didn't get time to rest on the sideline. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it affected it. I think that, you know, Hurts had a pretty bad game. And I don't think that was, you know, to as much of the play calling. I, but uh, you never know. Um, you know, when you switch something up like that, especially in the biggest game of the season, you know, all the pressure is always already like kind of magnified. So you have no idea how that kind of got in one of some of their heads. Yeah. The only, um, the only other two things I wanted would touch on with that was I thought the onside, like the, not the onside, but I guess kind of it was kick at the end where Clemson recovered after the 10 yards and they still had the one second. I was trying to figure out why nobody from Alabama just ran up to the ball and fell on top of it. Cause they would have had one second for a Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. They did that. Question. And then, uh, I loved at the end. Did you see Dabo Sweeney's uh, press conference? No. He called out Colin Cowherd. Oh, I, I saw the clip of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I just love the fact that he's calling out like anybody that picked against him. Like, be like, hey, Paul Feinbaum, uh, how do you like me now? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, this is a, this is a good. Uh, uh, it was a great game, great championship. I think it's going to kind of go down as one of the better ones out there. So uh, it was a fun, fun game. Fun bowl, uh, fun bowl season in general. You know that the Rose Bowl, bowl two instant yeah. classics that you could add. Yeah, really good bowl season. So uh, good job. All right, man. Uh, I think that's everything, right? Yeah, I think uh, for the most part, it's covered it up. Big. Uh, let's see how the playoffs go this weekend. I'll be interested to see if there's any upsets at all. I don't know if there'd any be big surprises outside of Houston, New England. Yeah, and I mean next next week we're gonna cover everything. We're gonna cover the uh, you know divisional round here, and then we're gonna talk about the about the championship uh, you know round matchup. See what uh, see what we want to do. And if there's any more developments in you know the NBA, we'll talk about that as well, uh, and any kind of other sporting news. But until then, man, I think we're all set. So thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Talk to you guys later, and James, drive safe. Thanks.